How are we this morning? Good. I want to let you know today we are, uh, it is our day every year where we take a few minutes and we talk about stewardship. So if you are visiting this morning, that's always the fear, right? The one time you bring your friend that you've been asking to church to come to church, the preacher's going to talk about money. So I just want to go ahead and say sorry about that. And if you're visiting today, give us another shot next week as well. Um, But I want to pray for us and then we're going to dive in. Today is about stewardship. One time a year we take a Sunday out to think about, think clearly about together as a church body, uh, what it means to be a steward, what it means to manage uh, our money, what it means to manage our time and our resources and all that God has gifted to us for his glory and our good. So um, preparing for that, let's pray together. Father, you are the greatest of all time. God, there's none like you, there's never been any like you, and there will never be any like you. You are infinitely better than anything that we could experience on this planet, God. And I pray this morning that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and hearts to receive all that you have for us. God, we are going to talk about money today, God. We're going to talk about our time today and our resources, our talents, God, our dreams, our goals, our visions. And my prayer, God, is that you would stir our affections so deeply that we would be forever changed. God, we don't want to come in this place week after week after week and just read the word or just hear preaching. God, we want you, by the power of your spirit, to transform us and transform our lives, God. We want to be more and more and more and more like you. So please, Jesus, do in our hearts today what we cannot do for ourselves. And everybody together said, amen. Amen. Understanding stewardship means that we were made for a purpose. The original plan for man, when God was creating man in the garden, that original plan was that man would be caretakers and stewards. That we would, let me just read it to you, Genesis 1.28, you can turn there if you want to, um, but Genesis 1.28 says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God's original plan, this original design, the original intent in the heart of God is that man would be the crown of his creation, that man would be the the very top of his pyramid, that man was set in the garden to be the managers and the caretakers, that man would be good stewards over what God had given them. We all know how the story goes, right? Just uh, we, we don't know if it was days, weeks, however long later, Adam and Eve are in the garden and just hanging out together and looking at a tree and Eve says, man, this looks pretty good. And there's a serpent that starts talking. The Old Testament gets super weird. You're with me, right? As the serpent starts talking and says, hey, why don't you eat of this tree? They take a bite. And in a moment, man and God were separated. And so from that moment on, stewardship was Broken, not only stewardship, but from that moment on, relationship, intimacy with God. From that moment, relationship as a whole with God was absolutely fractured. So Jesus came to repair the breach and and, and to help make us good stewards because listen, life is all about either stewarding in a correct way or in a poor or in a poor way the talents, times, gifts, and resources God has given us. It all comes down to stewardship. Uh, it, it, it not all comes down to money, but it all comes down to stewardship. The way that we steward our time, right? The way that we spend with our kids and our wives, our husbands, our, our time. Like We get a product in our life based on how well we steward that which has been given and gifted to us. So I want you to hear this. You are this morning, not you might be, you should be. You are a caretaker. 
You are a steward. You are a manager. Now, whether you have managed and are managing your choices in your life, your, the things that God has given you well or not, that's between in your relationship with you and God to sort out this morning. But I want you, I want you to make no mistake this morning. You are a caretaker. God has given you so many things in this life. He's given me so many things in this life. Every single breath that we breathe has been, is a gift that's been given from God to us for his glory that we might give back to him. And I'm asking this morning, have you stewarded those things well? Understanding stewardship means understanding everything was created by God and for God. I don't want us to make any mistakes here. Our lives were created by God, but it wasn't just for us to kind of do our own thing. We were created for the glory of God. We were created by God. We're created for God. The chief goal, the end of our lives, is that we might see God, that we might know God, that we might enjoy Him forever. Everything is going back to Him. Even when you think about the cycle of life and when we, we... just to get real for a moment, every single one of us will one day die. We'll be buried in the ground. Our bodies will turn to dust. And over our grave, life will spring up. The grass will grow back. Flowers will bloom again. Every single thing has been given to glorify God. If you look at creation, it's a reminder. Even the heavens are telling. The Bible says the heavens are telling of the glory of God. Creation on display, showing the magnificence of God. And hear me when I say this, how beautiful of an opportunity, how incredible of a gift that the God of creation, the one who breathed out the galaxies, has allowed broken men and women to take care of his property. Broken men and women women to steward his stuff. See, it's all the Lord's. We, We like to compartmentalize stuff sometimes between our stuff and the Lord's stuff. Usually we're really, really, really cool with Jesus being our Savior, right? Like, we love that idea, right? Like, Jesus, you are my Savior. You have saved me from my sin, and I don't have to go to hell. But when we get to the Lord part, like, Jesus, also my, my money and my time and my talents and all my stuff, all that's yours, too, that's where we begin to wrestle. I'll just be honest with you. That's where I begin to white-knuckle. I call it white-knuckling, where you just grip so hard, you know. Ugh. What would it look like today if a group of people, body believers, even, you know, 10% of you, right, 25 or, or 30 of you said, man, Jesus I don't want you just to be my Savior. I want, to, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be the one who, who directs me and guides me, tells me where to go. God, you give me your commandment, your will, your desire. Move me, God. I'm going all in. What would that look like? It would be beautiful. So we know today that understanding stewardship means we understand everything was created by God and for God. Therefore, everything is a gift. We will never be the stewards that God desires us to be until we realize everything belongs to him and we have been invited into the story of God as heirs, stewards, and caretakers of his immeasurable gifts. Listen, it could change your marriage when you begin to see your spouse not as your spouse but as God's gift to you as a spouse. It might change the way that you spend your money when you begin to look at your bank account, not as your money, but as God's gift to you to further his kingdom. It might radically transform your parenting and my parenting this morning if we for a moment look at our children, not as our children, but as a gift delivered to us to steward and manage by God Almighty. It will shift our perspective 
our talents, our time, our intellect, our ability to learn and gain knowledge and do tasks, when we begin to see those things as a gift from God, how different do we steward? Now, I, I, I could paint a picture for you kind of like this. Um, when my dad, when I was younger, my dad would sometimes let me uh, drive his truck. And his truck, my, I had a, he bought me a 1985 Camaro when I turned 16 years old. And uh, I think I only have one friend in the room that remembers that car. But every time we would go somewhere, we'd get out and we'd have, you know, regardless of the cologne you, you wore on the trip, when you got to where you were going, you were going to smell like that special brand of 1985 Camaro exhaust. All right, you, I could have bottled it up and sold it. That's what you're going to smell like. It was pretty ratchet, all right? And so it was a great joy of mine when my, my dad on Wednesday nights to go to church, he'd be like, man, take my truck. I'd be like, oh, sweet, it's clean. I'd get there smelling like I did this when I left, you know. I would drive it a little differently. Like, I, I, would, I, would, I would park it in a different spot. If you, you didn't obviously know me at the time, but my, my 85 Camaro, um, we did everything together. We spun circles on dirt roads and were super irresponsible, and I, I don't advocate, don't do that, right? But, but when I got in my dad's vehicle, when I realized that he had the title on that thing, I drove it differently. I treated it differently. I would get my, my Sunkiss bottles out of the floorboard of his vehicle. Mine is, was like it was what it was made for, to carry empty Sunkiss bottles. What would it be like if we realize that everything that we had in our lives that are good, everything that God has gifted us, he has the title. We just, they've just been given to us on loan for a little while. Our relationships, our friends, our businesses, our employer, our employee, everything that comes into our lives, someone else holds the title. We've just been gifted to be the managers and caretakers for just a little while. Amen. Let's move on. If you're taking notes this morning, jot this down. I do want you to write this, money. All right? And I want to say this, and every time we get to talk about stewardship, I, I love to talk about this aspect. I bring this up often when we talk about stewardship, once a year. So Psalm 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those therein. So that's establishing what we've already said. We see a foundation in the scripture for it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in. 50, Psalm 50, 10 through 11 says, For every beast of the forest is mine. The cattle on a thousand hills is mine. I know all the birds of the hill, and all that moves in the field is mine. So what God tells us through the whole context of Scripture, when you go from all the way in the beginning, when he created in the garden, the psalmist is declaring the truth. Everything belongs to the Lord. And even in the New Testament, we see God being over superior. The Bible says that everything was made by him and for him and for his glory, that Jesus is preeminent. He's over. He's supreme. So knowing all of that, hear me say this statement well. God does not need your money. He doesn't. God does not need your time. God does not need your talents. He's self-sufficient. He's the creator of the world. For those of you that sit on the finance committee in our church, I'm sorry because right now you're like, oh, please tell him we need I want you to hear this. He will accomplish his will and his purpose with or without our dime. We see in the Bible when God desires something, one person didn't step up and he put another in their place. See, so he takes down kings and he puts up kings. See, sometimes we think that preachers and God are after our pocketbook. And if you watch enough uh, 
TV preaching, you will literally think they are after your pocketbook because a large majority are just after your pocketbook. But that's not the context or the theme of the Bible. God is not after your wallet. God is after your heart because God knows if he gets your heart, he gets your wallet. He gets your time. He gets your resources. He gets your energy. He gets your talents and your dreams. If God gets your heart, it was never about money with Jesus. There's a rich young ruler in the New Testament. He comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to follow you. I'm going to paraphrase, snapshot it for you. And they're having this conversation, this dialogue. And the rich young ruler, Jesus said, well, keep the law. Have you done this and this? I've done everything that you've asked. I've kept the law. I'm, I'm a good person. I've checked all the boxes. And Jesus' response is, if you would just sell all that you have and give to the poor, then and come be my disciple. Then I want you to be my disciple. Sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you know what the rich man, young ruler did? The Bible says these words, heartbreaking words in Scripture. He turned away sorrowfully. See, the grip he had on his money and his inability to let it go controlled his emotions and his heart. He was sad. He was broken. He was pointing to the fact in that story that Jesus was not after the rich young ruler's stuff. He was after his heart. Because if Jesus would have had his heart, Jesus would have given it all away. Or he would have, the rich young ruler would have given it all away. It's never about our stuff. It's never about our time. It's never about our talents. It's never about our resources. It's all about our heart. That's what he's after this morning. Jesus is after your heart. Now, I said it to our 930 crew, and I want to say it to you, and I want you to key in with me for just a second to hear this. We think, man, you know, if he gets my heart, what can he do with it? You know, if God, if I, you know, if I come to the place where I go all in with God and I give you my talents, my resources, my money, all my stuff, if I just kind of go in with God, what will that look like in my life? I want to show you something really, really quick, just kind of jumping off the notes and think about it this way. In the hand of a man, a tree can make furniture, can make a table. You carve out figurines and make ornaments or pins. This gym floor even, uh, a regular old tree in the hand of man can do pretty cool stuff. But just a regular old tree in the hand of God can be the instrument that he uses to allow his son to be crucified that unlocks the door for you and I to have eternal life. A tree in the hand of common men can do still cool stuff. A tree in the hand of God can do something that has significant eternal consequences. So your stuff in your hands, you might be able to do some pretty cool stuff. Your life in your hands, you might be able to accomplish some cool things. Your heart in your hands, maybe you manage by, but when you put those things in the hand of a loving, living God, there is absolutely no limit. It's amazing the things he might do if we might surrender. So I do want to be practical this morning. He said, I said, God doesn't need your money, then why should we give it, right? That's the question. Okay, well, if God doesn't need my money, like if he's going to accomplish his purpose, why do we give it? I want to give you a, just a quick picture, and then I want to share some scripture with you. God could, if he wanted to, which he demonstrated in scripture through the conversion of Paul the apostle, um, from Saul to Paul, God could, if he wanted to, convert us all the same way, every single one of us. He could blind us, knock us off our horse, or cause us to go three days without seeing and have someone show up and share the gospel with us and, and point us to Christ. And, and through this dramatic conversion, needing no help from humans, God could convert us all, right? And he does not need any help. He does it all by himself. But what he's done, and it's beautiful, in the Great Commission, is he's allowed common, ordinary, broken men and women to be a part of his story. 
See, God doesn't need us to save anyone, but he allows us to walk in this incredible relationship with him in such a way that we tell the gospel with our mouths and people repent. It's the same way with our money. God doesn't need our money, but he allows us to walk out obedience and sow into the kingdom of God for his glory and our good. Listen to Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That there be, be food in my house. Test me in this. You won't find God say that anywhere else in Scripture. I want you to test me. Come on, test me. He says it here. Tithe, pour into the storehouse, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be no room enough to store it. And hear me this morning. Why do we tithe? We tithe out of an idea, this this overwhelming reality that God desires us to walk in in stewardship. He desires us not to white-knuckle our finances, but to open them up. And not only our finances, our time, our talent, and our resources, giving it all over to him for him to use for his glory and for our good. See, the reason that sometimes we... And listen, there are so many preachers that misuse and abuse and rip these scriptures about money, about resources, so far out of context that it's not even funny. God is not saying if you, if you give a bunch of money to the church, you won't get sick. God is not saying in this text, if you give a bunch of money to the church, everything's going to go good for you and your business is going to thrive and flourish. He's not saying that if you tithe, then you're going to have tons of money. And you, you, you know, you, he's not, that's not what he's saying. Now, I don't want you to have this, this messed up view of what happens when we put money in the offering plate or money in the boxes in the back. I mean, it's just a simple act of us showing our obedience, saying, God, we know that we don't own this, and we are just giving you back a portion of what you've already gifted us with in the first place. Believing that God can do more with our 10% than we could do with our, with our 90. Some would say this is an Old Testament verse, TJ. You don't really teach out the Old Testament a ton. And the Old Testament was the Old Covenant. That was the law, man. We don't follow that anymore. Well, okay, well, uh, let me just say this then. Jesus said... In Matthew 23, 23, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you, tenth, you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness, though you, ought, you have ought to done these things anyways without neglecting the others. So I want you to hear this. If we say, okay, let's, let's move to Jesus' line of teaching, then Jesus doesn't ask for our 10%. Jesus asks for 100%. Now, I mean, Jesus upped the ante on everything. He said, in, in the Old Testament, it said, you know, what constitutes adultery? And Jesus said, well, when, you, when you know, you, a man takes another man's wife. Well, in the New Testament, what constitutes adultery? When you look on a woman and sin with her in your heart, when you lust in your heart. Jesus was always upping the ante on the Pharisees. So this morning we say, I don't really like this idea in Old Testament stuff that I'm supposed to give my 10% or, or we're called to steward and we're called to give our money. Well, Jesus said, listen, hey, rich young ruler, I want all of it. This morning, we're uncomfortable with that sometimes, especially when we touch on money, because what we find is that when we reach into our pockets, there's this chain that's linked from our wallet to our heart. Everything else is cool to talk about. We talk about time. Yeah, man, I'm give God my time, a tenth of my time. Really? 24 hours a day, you, give, you want to give up 10% of that? Really start thinking about our tithe. Sometimes we find that it's hard to talk about money in church, and we don't want to talk about it because, one, it's been abused so often. But also, we know that our checkbooks, the line items that we write in, are, you know, that's old school. But, you know, or you flip up your debit account, and the things that line the website typically are evidence of what lives in our hearts. 
So hear me when I say this this morning. I'm not asking for your money. I'm asking that you would give Jesus all of your heart. When we are faithful to tithe, when we, when we contemplate money and give our lives over to Christ, it uproots evil and it produces faithfulness. I want you to hear this, 1 Timothy 6, 9 through 11. Those who want to be rich fall into the temptation and a snare, into many senseless harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, hear me say that, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many, with many pangs. That word pangs, there are many different sorrows. You, O oh man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Hear me when I say this. Making wealth your primary ambition is evidence of greed and a denial of God as provider. When we make wealth our ambition, when we make money the centerpiece of our lives, when we set it on the throne of our heart, what we're saying is that God, we do not trust God to be our provider. And tithing in, in giving of our time, our talents, our resources, and our money are evidence in our hearts that, here, God, we believe this is yours anyway, so we're giving it back to you to do something incredible with. Hear me not say that money is evil. Money is not evil. Money's amoral. Money doesn't make up its mind. We do. Money in the hand of an evil person can do atrocious things. Money in the hand of a benevolent person with Christ-centered, cross-focused goals can do incredible things. So don't hear me say that money or making money is evil this morning. The love of it, when it dominates your affections, when it pulls your heart in different directions, that's the moment that we've crossed the line. Because setting anything, and I'll just, I want to bridge this over to another area this morning. Hear this, when we place anything on our hearts besides Christ, on the throne of our hearts where he belongs, we're only going to go down a road of brokenness. I don't care what it is. Money, a relationship, a goal, a dream, a vision, education, you name it. Anything that sits on the throne of our hearts that is not Christ Jesus will only lead us down a road of brokenness. So hear me say it again. He wants your heart. And when he gets your heart, he can do whatever he wants with your future. He can do whatever he wants with your time. He can do whatever he wants with your resources. And he can do incredible things with your money. But first, he has to have your heart. Make this point quickly. When we tithe and when we give our money to God, it puts our trust in God on display. It's hard, right? Uh, it's really hard sometimes when we balance the checkbook and, and if we are, are disciplined and believe the, the word calls us to a tenth or calls us to a, a, an overall, calls us to a, a portion of our abundance or, or a, a portion of what we've been given, given back to God, sometimes it's tough to make that a priority. I'm not diminishing that at all. I know a lot of us, we sit down and, and some of you sit down and you're just like, man, we're, we're scratching out. How do I incorporate this? The Lord said, test me in this. Make it a priority. Make faithfulness a priority. I don't think we get to pick and choose what areas of our lives we want to give over to God and let him see and let him control and use for his glory. I think we have to give it all. I, I want to say this too, shifting away from money. When we're called to be caretakers, we're called to be stewards, we're, we're called to give it all to God. So I want you to hear these things, and, and I'll do this quick. But number one is, I really want you to think about your time. And we have a lot, we've been gifted and given time. Every single one of us, there, we get this 24-hour block, this window, every single morning when we wake up, there's this, there's this chunk of time. I just want to encourage you this morning, this is speaking of my own soul and my own heart, steward that well. 
what if you incorporate into that time some devotion? Some, maybe you're not doing it now, and, and maybe money's easy for you to give. Maybe for you, it's like, man, I, money's no problem. See, I've never had a problem with that. But maybe all of your time is given to other pursuits other than Christ. What would it be like if you said, okay, God, I'm going to carve out in my life, I'm going to make priority spending time with you. I want to encourage you. Get into the Word. Get a devotional book. Ask one, your, one of your pastors, one of the leaders around the church, hey, what's a good book I can read to invest in my time, to tithe, to steward my time well? What can I read? What can I dig into? What will broaden my faith? What will deepen my faith in Christ? Steward your time well. Steward discipleship. What do you mean by that, TJ? I just want to ask you, if you're a mature believer, if you've been doing this thing for three years or five years or ten years, you have a committed relationship with Christ and you're not pouring into any other person, then you are not stewarding your relationships well. The Bible says at some point we should be off the milk and we should be on the meat. We should be eating meat. And he also says in Scripture that there are some of you that should be teachers. There's some of you that, that should be investing your lives into young believers. So hear me well when I say that. Are you stewarding your relationships this morning? The people in your life that you could pour into, that you could carve out some time and deepen a relationship so you might speak spiritual things into their lives. Steward your money, yes. Steward your time, though. Make time for devotion in your life. Make time for discipleship. And make time for evangelism. Make time for evangelism. What I love about time is that it can be used just like a currency for the glory of God. That we can invest our time. I want you to hear this verse in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Look carefully then on how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, for the days are evil. I'm going to read that one more time. Look careful then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Be wise this morning. Invest your money, invest your time, invest your relation, in, into your relationships for the glory of God, for the good of His kingdom. I want to say it one more time. God's not after your pocketbook. He's not after your schedule. He's not after your dreams or your talents. He's not after your degrees. He's not after your stuff. This is what he's after, your heart. Because he knows if he gets your heart, all of those other things will follow. So here's my question this morning. Does he have your heart? Not pieces of it. Does he have your heart? We're going to have a time of response. And, and we do this every Sunday. We, we sing a song and and it's a time of reflection. It's a time for you to, I call it this, just doing business with God. This is a time where you, you might be able to say, God, you can have it all. It's a scary prayer to pray, right? God, literally, Lord, I'm just going all in on you. You can have my time, my talents, my resources, my future, my dream. Everything that I have, God, it is yours. I'm all in. It's a scary feeling. But I wonder this morning what it might happen in our lives and in the lives of our church and our community if a fellowship of believers, a group of people said, God, I will go all in. You can have it all, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for you, 
for what you've done and what you continue to do in our hearts. Lord, you have, you have called us sons and daughters. You've invited us into your kingdom, God. You created us to be caretakers and to be stewards, to be men and women who cared after the things you've gifted us with. So this morning, I pray, Jesus, help us. Lord, we are desperate for it this morning. Help us, Jesus. Help us to go all in. In Jesus' name.